what do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. Right, we want to welcome you to this episode of the Niche Finder podcast. You know, today I'm very excited about this episode that we have. We have a, a good brother, a good friend of mine. We'll give you his bio in just a minute, but just overall snapshot. He's just an overall, just good brother to connect with. He has a lot going on. We're going to chop it up, talk about his expertise in the medical arena, his business development background, as well as all the concierge services that he was able to provide by high level executives, as well as physicians. And so right before I get to the actual bio that he has. I just want to, if you're listening for the very first time, give you a little bit of background of what the Niche Finder Framework is all about. The short version is, is that we really are here to help accelerate progress in the best way that we find possible. And so by that, we mean is that we just want to bridge a gap. So from where you find yourself today to where you want to be, what we want to do is get an expert who is where you want to be and let them tell you how they got to where they are. And so it's that simple. And we really just want to just share as much content as we possibly can to help you in your journey. I wish I had somebody who could have told me this uh, several years earlier, and uh, maybe it would have helped me to come over some hurdles that I had to learn on my own. And so we want to bridge that gap for you with a little bit of know-how from an expert who may have a space that you may be interested in. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to today's guest is Melvin Andy Anderson. He is a results-driven, tech-savvy business development professional and consultant. Known for elite interpersonal skills and warm, charismatic approach to building and maintaining relationships, Andy has earned a reputation as a trustworthy, competent resource for creative solutions. Over 15 years, as well as having a well-rounded healthcare and hospitality experience, Andy also developed a uniquely curated skill set by working alongside the senior leadership of physician networks and hospitals. His previous role included patient experience, clinical IT, network development, and business development. Andy utilizes this uncommon blend of 
physician and patient facing background to ensure that appropriate perspectives are taken into account when evaluating and presenting opportunities for strategic alignment. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to the niche finder framework, Andy. Andy, what I like to refer to him as, as just <laughs> King Midas himself, Mr. Melville, Andy Anderson. Welcome <laughs> to the program. Cliff, thank you, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Congratulations for, you know, with everything that you're doing here. Nothing but awesome <laughs> feedback. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, man, we, we want to get right into this. Uh, you've had, as as I just described, you've had experience with physician practice. When we met, you were doing service excellence. You then went into business development. And the progress that I've seen you make, just from knowing you over the last several years, has been tremendous. To where now, not only do you have your own consulting company in the form of Seven Links, you want to give that real quick while we are, are touching on that? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, it's Seven, the number Seven linksolutions.com so number seven l-i-n-k-s-o-l-u-t-i-o-n-s.com excellent and so i've seen you go from service excellence to business development to now having your own company with your website that you just mentioned but now for the listener what about your backstory gives the audience a vested interest in your journey i think that the the more i think there are a couple things about my backstory that people can relate to. And I think that that kind of creates uh, the potential for vested interest. You know, one of the the more pertinent aspects of my backstory is that I did a lot of work in, you know, hospitality as my bio mentions. You know, I was working in a restaurant after I graduated with my bachelor's in finance and didn't find that the kind of Wall Street or banking industry was presented environments that I'd be really happy with. So. Working in New York City, I worked at um, a restaurant called Negril Village, a lot of love for them. I would say that you can make, in a restaurant of that nature, if you have the ideal kind of situation there, you can easily make seventy, $80,000 a year. So my entry into healthcare kind of required me to take a step back financially with the promise of the potential if I was able to kind of make my mark in that arena. And then also going from IT into business development that came by way of a layoff that, you know, forced me to look at another opportunity, which ended up being a better fit. So, you know, I would hope that those aspects of my backstory, getting laid off, you know, five months into my first mortgage, four months from my wedding, was enough of a shocker that it can inspire people to respond to that kind of adversity uh, with the kind of confidence that it really requires to bounce back and make more of it. Mm. So what type of external struggles were you dealing with at the start of your journey? At the start of the journey, the external struggle is, it's new, you know, in terms of the start of my journey being just into healthcare in general, right? First external struggle is you know that you're not going to make as much money initially. The second external struggle was it was a new position in a niche within a field that's already new enough, you know, just getting into healthcare for the first time. But then you're getting into patient experience where you're not as empowered as everyone else that's around you that you really need in order to succeed at whatever goal you might have. And in patient experience, obviously, the goal is to make sure that the patients are happy. 
with whatever they happen to come to the organization for. So I think that those were a couple of the external struggles, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like the same things that represent the struggles are what made the opportunity exciting to begin with. But I can say that they were pretty straightforward. Okay. Now, what about internal struggles? What type of internal struggles did you find yourself up against? Internal struggles is um, the same lack of empowerment. And hospitality presents an opportunity to engage in a similar atmosphere because, you know, let's say you're a server in a restaurant, you can't be the server and the bartender and the manager and the busser and the chef at once. So in one way I felt prepared because I'm used to relying on team members to get to the ultimate result, which is a happy customer. But internally you're wondering about, am I making enough money? Is it worth the risk? Because you obviously, there's only 24 hours in a day. So in order to take on a patient experience opportunity, you have to take a little bit of money out of your pocket and take some time away from what was really your bread and butter at the time. Another internal struggle I would think that a lot of other people can relate to is that you're working with a lot of very high capacity individuals. You're working with doctors. You're working with nurses who have decades of experience. You know, you're working with administrators who are dealing with dozens of people at a time, sometimes hundreds of people at a time that they're responsible for. I think that those were the the internal struggles were really just figuring out how you could fit into this giant machine. Mm, okay. And now what did you want to achieve or accomplish at the start of your journey? I hear the struggles that you went through, but what exactly did you uh, see as that success? That's what I want to go after. I felt like the, the main thing that I wanted to accomplish was to learn as much as possible. And I think that that contributed a lot to, you know, getting to where I am now because I still carry that mind state to be able to learn as much as possible and to help as many people as possible. So, and to be able to impact the benchmarks that I would be judged by. You know, one of my favorite questions to ask in an interview is, what am I going to be judged by? Is it something ambiguous? Is it how you, you know, generally feel about me? What are the actual objective metrics that I'm going to be judged by? And in patient experience, it was, um, you know, the Prestini scores, for those who aren't familiar, the patient satisfaction scores that are randomly sent out to patients who leave a healthcare facility and they provide their feedback where basically an A is the only thing that counts and a B might as well be an F. So it's a competitive environment. So I think that was a big one. And um, in healthcare IT, every class that I taught to introduce doctors and nurses and ancillary staff to our electronic medical record, I was surveyed by everyone who attended the class and they had no incentive to to lie for me <laughs> you know if i did a poor right. job it would be right. very very much clear and then in business development it's very straightforward can you create the alignments that the organization is looking to create with the targets that are, they're looking to create those alignments with so i think that those are all really important to me in terms of what I was trying to do was to really meet the goals, exceed the goals and make a name for myself with the individuals who I would encounter along the way. 
I find that very fascinating that as I'm listening to your journey, it started out in the food industry. And as you were saying, you were somewhat financially motivated to to continue to go down that path. But yet you had a degree that wanted to take you into finance, but then you ended up in healthcare for other opportunity. What sounded like what you saw to be growth potential while in that you then transitioned over to different types of so whether it be patient experience and then it but then you launched out into your own endeavor where you're now working directly through your company as uh, someone who's helping hospitals to grow their business in, in your particular niche tell me about that transformation and how that how that leap happened how did that leap happen for you i think the the same layoff that led to me looking into these um what became my first opportunity in business development is what shapes my mindset with respect to creating relationships and not being reliant on any one organization or person to feed my family so to speak or to be successful and when i got laid off this was in 2016 i had i would say about 115 connections on linkedin so that afternoon after receiving that news i think i put out a you know close to 25 applications i didn't have many bites and you know the bites that i did get they didn't feel like a lateral move which was kind of the the minimum for me so since then i mean i can tell you for the most part there's not a week that is going by where i haven't added multiple linkedin connections and you know reached out to those who i connect with to say thank you for connecting i appreciate it and you know just kind of make myself present myself as someone who is you know looking to be a, a productive member of any given group that i choose to associate myself with and i think that that's that's a big part of it you know that's a big part of who i am and i, I guess it's another example of someone kind of being shaped by their response to a situation that presented some adversity and with respect to how i find myself in a position where i feel qualified to create alignments or facilitate alignments for hospital systems it's really that that background you know i feel i feel confident when i say i have a well-rounded background you know having some of the it having the patient experience and then how i spend my time you know on the weekends i'm often just kind of engaged in one physician or another's extracurricular event where there's a group of doctors that um are in Essex County, New Jersey that every month they dedicate 2 hours to just answering whatever questions the community has on a webinar and it's generally 9, 10, sometimes 12 doctors of different specialties so to just sit in on something like that and when it was in person I was able to coordinate some relationships with them and hospital systems that I worked with so it resulted in them having access to nurses that would do blood pressure and glucose and cholesterol screenings for the patients that would attend. I think that just spending your time in those kinds of environments that are capable of enriching you because of the people you're around and all of the the wealth and knowledge that they know, I think that that will always contribute to you feeling confident enough to to say okay, I'm going to take a shot at something different. I know a lot of people aren't doing this thing, but I feel like I'm uniquely qualified to succeed at that said thing so you know i hope that's a good answer <laughs> to the question it's a little roundabout but no nah, it's perfect you know it's funny as you as you were sharing uh first off 
I admire and I'm thoroughly impressed by whatever you want to call that it that you have, call it grit or call it a growth mindset, whatever it is, courage, braveheartedness. I think the fact that you look at adversity the way that you do, although that may not be necessarily what someone may say is a niche, I believe that that could be your niche. The fact that you are able to actually make something out of this moment, like it's like you're, you're the guy taking the lemons and making lemonade out of that, that experience, <laughs> right? And so I find it so interesting. Now, I started thinking about something that I read in a book by Russell Brunson. It's called Traffic, his book called Traffic Secrets. And he describes a situation with Arsenio Hall, where Arsenio Hall was like the biggest thing. He was literally at sometimes his show was bigger than Oprah's show back in the day, like talking about like 89 and so on. A few years later, they had canceled the Arsenio Hall show. And then fast forward to, I think it was like they mentioned in the book, and I could have the year wrong, but I think he said it was like 2012, that they had Arsenio Hall on Celebrity Apprentice. Mm. And the mission was for this particular thing is they had to call all their celebrity friends. All these celebrities had to, on the Celebrity Apprentice, had to call their celebrity friends to get donations. And the person who had the hardest time was Arsenio Hall. And one thing that he was saying was, is that when Arsenio Hall was in the previous uh, position that he was in as the number one talk show person, he didn't have what we have now, which is a network. He was mm. on a network. He was on a network, but he didn't have a network. Mm. And so what I hear you saying, what you actually started to learn maybe you know just intuitively or, or by strictly necessity you said i need to develop a network right now because this network has some power to it and so as you mm -hmm. notice what you said is i'm constantly building this network of mine mm -hmm. and it's the network that actually will give you you know give you back a return for the time that you invest in that relationship so i appreciate you sharing that for the audience i would like to give for you my pleasure i would like to give from you your niche now and this is, I, I call this the 5P framework. We talk about it in Dream Octane in the book that is, uh, I'm hoping to have it drop soon. I'm still in the process of finishing the edits on it, but I'm going to ask you these five questions and you just give me whatever you feel is what we consider to be your niche. So the first sure. question is, what are your passions? What do you do that makes you say, even if you don't pay me, I'll do this one thing? I think this is a good one. Something that really excites me is expansion. You know, it's a good example. There's a, a physician that I know with an awesome practice in Montclair. And recently she told me she was interested in moving back into Hudson County. So that was enough for me. You know, I reach out to, I'm driving around, I'm reading about commercial real estate. I'm looking at, eventually we ended up viewing different spaces and they happen to be like, completely brand new spaces that hadn't even had floors put in yet. And when I stand in a big room like that and think about the kind of vision that it can become, I find that I feel a lot of fulfillment from being a part of things of that nature, being a part of big stuff, being a part of, you know, a hospital program that that represent a chance for preventive care and you know that it'll it will help people. It will keep people from getting to stage four of, of lung cancer because of a low dose lung screening program or, you know, it will keep people from 
undergoing the worst effects of liver disease because of a cutting edge program or acquisition of one practice to make one practice bigger. I love closing deals. I love closing complex, difficult to understand multiple moving parts deals. I think that I'm I've been passionate about that and I'm really passionate about learning. And I think that that plays a part in why closing deals is important to me because every deal is different. And you, I, in my experience, in this particular niche, you learn something with every single situation you encounter, especially if you, you know, dive into it head first. What do you do that feels purposeful or gives you meaning when you do it? In this particular field, I find that um, helping doctors, in my, from my vantage point, it looks like doctors overall get the short end of the stick. I've seen plenty of practices because I have the, the privilege of seeing the data related to a practice that may be a staple in your community and realize that, you know, in many cases, you can go from 2018, 2019, 2020, you're seeing more patients, you're doing more for them, and you're collecting less money because that collection percentage versus what you charge, which isn't changing, the collection percentage is going down because those who you're getting paid from, these insurance companies, are hiring more and more people with the purpose of not paying out, ultimately. You know, that's, that's the way that these companies work. So if, if I am able to earn the trust, you know, whether it's by way of my reputation or if it's someone new who just, we connect and they're willing to trust me and I'm able to help them in their, their journey, which happens to be a swim upstream, theoretically, you know, I find that that, that feels really meaningful. You know, I get a lot of fulfillment from that. So now I want to know about your patterns. And by patterns, I define this as the things that you are naturally good at mm -hmm. and you have also been successful with. I would say that um, I have a high probability of, of success as it pertains to building relationships. You know, especially, let's say, doctor's offices. I think that represents a a good illustration, right? When it comes to doctor's offices, community practices that are independently owned, so you're walking into someone's business, it's not an easy thing to get past the people that that doctor puts in charge of managing his time. And I think that I have a high probability of success as it pertains to presenting myself and presenting any given good opportunity for a business to do better. You know, I've seen a lot of a lot of instances where, you know, doctors and other business owners will turn down money or turn down an incredible opportunity because of the presentation. And I think that I do a good job of ensuring that the presentation represents the opportunity the right way. And result is usually both sides giving it the look that it deserves. And so that brings me to a different side of the same coin. And so where we talked about patterns, what you're naturally good at, what are you proficient at? What have you learned to do well over time? I think what I've learned to do well that's the most unique is to really look at a situation that has a lot of moving parts. And to, I guess, elaborate on that is, it's one thing to look at, let's say you work for a hospital and you identify a practice and you say, if, if this practice was sending patients to this hospital, the hospital would do better, right? I think that in order to refine yourself, you really have to look at what can both sides do for each other, which is, you know, obviously compliant for both sides to do better and the patients in between. 
and maybe even the community surrounding both parties. I think that that's something that I've become much better at over the mm. years because you're seeing more situations and more personalities and you're just learning how to refine your approach to everything and everyone. Mm. I I'm gonna go off script for a minute there, uh, but on that point that you're making, can you think back to a time that you said, you know what, I actually learned from this particular moment in your past that mm -hmm. points to what your proficiency is right now in your current state? I would say, how about this one? When I first started at CarePoint, I had the opportunity to take over an initiative called Management Rounding, <laughs> where what we were doing was we were kind of taking the lead on helping a lot of managers who played a part in creating a collection of data that was related to employee engagement, among other things. I felt like presenting that data to them and helping them to understand how each data point or each metric was relevant to what they were doing is something that's, you know, held, that's held true for me. The experience has held true with respect to being relevant in so many other ways since then. So thank mm. you to a, one of my first healthcare mentors, Cliff Manning, for giving me <laughs> the opportunity. <laughs> you had it in you, brother. All I did was say, <laughs> They put the spotlight on you. Was it? You were ready. That's a true uh, gentleman. <laughs> um, so, no, nah, that's that's dope, man. I'm so happy that uh, you what you turned it into, man. That's I mean, it's it's almost like it feels like one of them tang moments. Like you just took the tang out the bottle and added your water to it. <laughs> <laughs> Made a whole other jug of something new. So, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, oh no, I'm sorry, not Tay, you from Jamaica, it's Milo. I apologize, there, brother. <laughs> I apologize. I love it. Everyone don't know about Milo, but the Milo. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, the last question that I have under, under your niche problem solvers, what do you do that, that you solve this problem and people come back to you because they know when they bring it to you, uh, it's going to get fixed? Oh man, this, this particular, um, all right, for example, in IT, helping a doctor once with an IT issue, you're, you're now their IT guy. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I've helped, I've happened to have had the pleasure of helping a lot of doctors to get acclimated with, you know, electronic medical records. You know, once you're able to help them or once you're able to even instill a confidence in them that you'll tell them you don't know if you don't know and you'll you'll do the work to find the solution. If you're in a position to provide that solution, I think that that goes a long way. In the business development world, I've seen everything from to a doctor and a health administrator that just can't get along because of personal foolishness, which is often what it was, and getting them to see eye to eye objectively. I've had the, the pleasure of helping one practice that was in the process of dissolving in, you know, the two parties that would result wanted to go in different directions and I've been able I was able to help with that you know mm. um I've had the pleasure of working with a doctor who is brilliant and you know extremely loving and attentive to his patients but you know might not be the quintessential practice administrator and is trying to run a, a lean operation and connecting them with the right system to help them have that infrastructure while being able to you know, really dedicate your time to doing what you want. 
I've helped doctors with real estate alignment, sometimes with other doctors, you know, which creates a better continuity machine for the patients ultimately. So I'd, I'd like I'd like to say that I've been able to come to address a lot of different challenges in unique ways. And I, I guess I'm privileged with respect to the fact that, you know, business development fundamentally requires that. Mm. You know, I want to shift to our secrets, but you reminded me of the other day, I was actually trying to rip up a shrub that's, you know, in my, the side of my yard. And then I already had my mindset already intent on this because it's a shrub, it, you know, it's kind of like a baby evergreen and the roots run deep. So I, I, I knew that it was going to probably take me anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour to get this thing up, even though it's a small, it was a, a maybe about four foot tall and I don't know, maybe about a, a, a two two and a half feet wide. And so as I started digging, I had a shovel with me and I started digging. I, you know, I had that focus in mind, like this is going to be hard, but I'm going to just do it hard to get it over with. I caught at the side of my eye, my neighbor, uh, my next door neighbor, just um, eyeballing me. And so, yeah, as I was digging, I didn't really think much of it, but I did cross my mind, like, why is he staring at me? But I just kept, kept doing my thing. Only to have him come over like a few minutes into the job with a long rod, and some branch cutters. Mm. And what I realized at that moment, he was like, hey, Cliff, you should try this. And as soon as I took those tools that he gave me, it literally took me 10 minutes to, to do the job that probably would have taken me an hour. Mm. And as I listen to what you share, I, I just kind of feel like, like you are like that neighbor. Right, like you for the physician practices, whether finding a doctor's office or helping to bridge the gap or how to solve incredibly complex problems. I hear what you are depositing with your niche is like you, you, you're Steve. You're coming over and you're giving me the tools. You're giving them the tools <laughs> of your know-how. You know what I mean? And and I think that you know that in and of itself is powerful. And now what sure. I want to get from you is just the secrets. Now, this last section is just going to be a lightning round of what secrets would you tell your pre-niche self several years ago that would help accelerate them from where they find themselves at that moment in time to where you are today? My pre-niche self wasn't as aggressive in network building. And I feel like that is the, the ultimate secret. The time that you spend introducing people, introducing yourself to people, introducing people to what you're capable of, and also introducing them to your ambitions, I think that they'll they'll galvanize everything about your life, you know, that time spent. It's all it's like pouring gas in your own fuel tank. Mm. So, you know, like I said, when I was when I gotten laid off, I was three years into my healthcare career. And I felt like I was on an island because of you know, 115 connections on LinkedIn. Now I'm closer to 2,300 connections on LinkedIn just off of a sustained response to that one incident, you know, for almost five years ago now. And, you know, five years from now, I would hope I'm at nearly 10,000 connections. So with respect to being able to accelerate progress, if I had built a thousand connections when I gotten laid off, I think that you know, the sky's the limit with mm. respect to that, responding to that moment and the potential short-term gains. What secret is a must-have to getting started and staying committed? Tell people that you want to do. Tell people what you want to do. Tell people what you think you can do right now. You know, people who are more experienced than you. Be willing to be 
criticized, you know, and, and you know, get a feel for what where that criticism is coming from. Because everyone who, who offers constructive criticism isn't trying to be constructive, right? So right. I think that I think that that's a big thing. I met a lot of people in healthcare in my first year, but you were someone that I happened to divulge my ambitions to in the beginning. And I think that that choosing the right people to do those things with and be vulnerable with is really key to getting yourself built up because you can't you can't buy time and you can't make it. So the time that you had spent in that arena and giving me those, you know, cliff notes, no pun intended, that when <laughs> it. It, it goes a really it goes a really long way if you're in the right frame of mind to receive that that advice. Right. What has been your greatest struggle after you found your niche? I think balance, balance and time management, because going from kind of being dependent on any one W2 position to being more dependent on yourself and, and the um, agreements you're fortunate enough to earn is like going from high school to college. You know, it's like going from being on a on a treadmill to going on a track where you don't have any any set time that you have to get on, get to it or or cut it out. I think that that is probably the most challenging thing. And not not because you don't have someone on your back, but because if you're really pushing yourself, you're also generally questioning if you're doing enough all the time. Wow. You know, like myself, I'm, you know, I have I have three children and a, and a wife. And mm -hmm. I, I intend to only have one wife. So, right, so right. balance becomes very, very, very important in that regard. So I think that that is the, probably the most challenging aspect of it. But I think that a way to balance that is to, you know, involve the people who are important to you in what you're doing day to day, whether that's just by way of, you know, going through that how was your day conversation when you don't feel like it, in, you know, particular just to make sure that everyone has an understanding of what it is that you're trying to do and sometimes the opportunity to refocus you you know those that you trust because i find that it'll always come back to the network for me right a lot of the doctors that i met we haven't done any particular set of business together but they become mentors to me you know the other day my my son got hurt playing with one of his friends and i ended up talking on the phone for like an hour and 20 minutes with a doctor who I just have an awesome relationship with and I look to for that kind of advice. So I would say that in response to what's challenging, which is balance, I think that the network is is often the, the resolution there. Mm. Last question that I have for you. Uh, how do you know when it is time to change course versus stay in focus on your goal? This is awesome. I think it's time to change course when you don't feel like you're getting value for the time that you're spending. Mm -hmm. Value can mean a lot of different things, right? Like I, I have one of my best friends is a stockbroker and, you know, I told him like your day to day is getting, you know, trying to make money. But where do you find fulfillment? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, some at some point, some some of us are fortunate enough to say, OK, I'm making enough money. And, you know, maybe that machine is on autopilot and if you don't have some type of gauge to say what I'm doing makes sense or not, eventually everything will lack fulfillment for you. 
Mm. So I think that I think that fulfillment is really it. You know, whether you don't feel fulfilled. Let's say you're making a ton of money doing something that you hate. That could easily be that could be the signal that it's time to go. You know, the money's not fulfilling anymore because I hate waking up in the morning to go to this place. So, you know, for me, it's generally about, you know, in the world of business development, you want to ensure that whom you are providing value to is reciprocating that value to you to the best of their ability. You know, obviously, mm. you're not going to get a one for one with someone who has invested and taken a ton of risk in building a machine that you happen to be feeding. But you also want to feel like, you know, what you're contributing is being recognized and, and acknowledged. Mm. I find what you're saying is is so uh, spot on. It's on point um, because, you know, I actually looked up the words and had an illustration that I drew from, you know, fulfillment versus achievement and it just it, the the thought that came to mind um was just kind of having you know being a participant in in sotheby's and seeing something like a violin for example being uh at this auction and being sold and the person who buys it for them it's an achievement right mm. so they buy this this rare violin and they hang it up inside their you know foyer or whatever room that they they keep their trophies in and when they talk about it they can talk about that achievement they can point to it in some anecdote and say look i paid x amount of dollar for this this rare violin however although it's an achievement for them the fulfillment really came from the artist that made that violin or the artist who played that violin which made it so valued right so for mm. the musician that made it famous it is fulfillment because they fulfilled something and for the person who just purchased it it's an achievement and i hear what you're saying right there when i the difference between the two words when i looked it up was one word actually and it's character fulfillment had it an achievement then so we mm. can get all of these things and achievement we can get all of these things and the reason we feel empty is because it lacks that one word that fulfillment has which is character mm. and so i i find it so deep what you're saying man and and look man i, I can you know i could chop it up with you for for more than just moments but for hours you know it's like, <laughs> it's like when we speak to each other instantly there's a campfire and it's we just ready to chop it up. <laughs> so you know but you know I, I i want you to just share with everybody how they can get in contact with you if they're awesome. interested in your service that you have to offer with building physician practices establishing relationships maintaining relationships solving complicated problems for people who have high capacity but may not have the skill set that you have to make these complicated problems simple and achievable and workable how will they get in contact with you awesome i appreciate it cliff i'm the best way to get in contact with me it would be either linkedin you can look me up it's on um, melville anderson jr m-e-l-v-i-l-l-e or you can reach out to me via my website which is the number seven l-i-n-k s-o-l-u-t-i-o-n-s dot com and you know it's nothing to talk to me is, is as free as it is to go outside so you know i encourage everyone <laughs> building my network if this if this interview has, has taught you anything is that i love to make connections so i would i really encourage everyone you know who's, who's fortunate enough to to see this to reach out you know i'm happy any any way that i can help is a I get a lot of fulfillment from that. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, to the niche finder community, listen, let's get this man to the 10,000 LinkedIn followers that he's looking for. So hit him up on, on his LinkedIn. Definitely, um, you know, but our, our mantra, as you know, the whole reason that we have people like uh, Andy on, on a niche finder podcast is because we believe that if innovative change is an engine, that, that your dream and ability could be its fuel. We thank you for tuning into the Niche Finder Framework. And we and we just hope, we just hope that the difference that you want to see in the world, that one day you will be coming. Thank you for tuning into this episode. And we look forward to chopping it up with the next expert on the very next one. Mm-hmm.